You're listening to the Well Women Podcast. I'm your host, Gemma Lee, women's cycle health educator. Together, we're normalizing periods, cracking open real body talk, and femme rising the future. I'm here to remind you that your body is amazing. You can achieve balance, and body confidence all begins with your menstrual cycle. Get ready, beautiful. You're about to learn how to confidently reconnect with your body and discover your unique flow. This is episode 136. In this episode, I'm joined by Jocelyn McRae. Jocelyn is a beautiful woman who works with other women and their support networks by helping them to navigate their emotions through miscarriage and abortion. This particular episode is all about abortion, termination and miscarriage support. After personally going through my own experience of termination in 2020, I have opened up two previous episodes around my own termination experience. And this has demonstrated to me by you and your responses how much these conversations are needed. Now, recently I came across Jocelyn online and I discovered that you can find abortion coaches. And this is what Jocelyn is. So I knew we had to get her on the show so we could open up these topics even more and learn how we can really support those going through this process, but also support the support networks who are supporting the people who have recently been through a miscarriage, termination or abortion or have in the past. Now, the reason why I really wanted to reach out to Jocelyn is that she has two beautiful angels herself, Charlotte and Oakland, who have brought her to where she is today. She uses these angels to guide her in life, forging a deeper connection with her soul's purpose. Jocelyn works with women from all of their stages, including the lead up to an abortion or termination, the day of, the support post-abortion termination or miscarriage in the early stages and in the years to come. Through Jocelyn's own experience working as a physiotherapist, Reiki and her coaching training, she empowers women and their support networks to heal from their miscarriage or abortions and return to themselves. And she is on an absolute mission to support those who have been through these experiences. Now, in this episode, we chat all about becoming an abortion and miscarriage coach and how she stepped into this role. Then we discuss the steps to healing from abortion or miscarriage, how you can support yourself through this process if you are yet to have one of these or if you have recently experienced one. We also talk about how to support someone through this process if you are supporting them. And then we dive into how to deal with negative comments and people's unsolicited advice, because surprisingly, this is a very taboo and shamed topic and everyone has an opinion. So this is a really important dot point that we cover, including how you can honor your own baby's soul or angel and how you can nourish yourself after termination or abortion. This is a really beautiful episode. I hope you find and feel as much love in this episode as I did going through this episode with Jocelyn. We both talk about our experiences openly and I trust that that helps you with your own experience, whether that's experiencing the support of others or receiving support yourself. So let's dive into it. This episode is brought to you by the Well Women Academy. The Well Women Academy is my signature group coaching program. It's a weekly membership together where we study menstrual cycles, holistic health, and how to reconnect with your body. Every month, our Well Women access members-only self-paced educational content across a wide range of formats, including written, audio, video, and guided home study. 
Join me and women from all over the world as together we cover fields of ancestral health, Ayurveda, sexuality, sensuality, holistic health, and everything to do with your yoni. This is your chance to join an international community of supportive women to discover your cycle, your body, ignite your inner intuition, and illuminate your life. It's a cyclical sisterhood like no other, not to mention it's also cheaper than your daily coffee fix. To learn more and to join us, head to wellsome.com forward slash academy. That's wellsome, W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E.com forward slash academy. Jocelyn, welcome to the Well Women podcast. Hello, how are you? I'm really well. Thank you for asking me that. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's a um, nice chilly morning here, but I'm feeling so nice and gooey inside. I'm, I feel really grateful to have discovered you online. Thanks to my mm-hmm. friend, Rosie. Thanks, Rosie. And, mm-hmm. um, and have found someone who is an abortion and termination and miscarriage coach, because I think this mm-hmm. is so needed. This is what we're talking about in this episode. And I just kind of want to dive straight in because, you know, the past me who has been through these experiences personally is just like oh my god there's there's people who do this work out there I'm like it's needed so before we dive straight in um tell us Jocelyn what day of your menstrual cycle are you on and how are you checking in today in this moment um I am on day seven sorry 27 oh my goodness um I'm on day 27 um and I usually find that towards the end of my cycle, I just really want lots of rest. So I'm actually going to schedule in a nap this afternoon, which will be so lovely. Oh. So I'll have a little cuddle with my dog and we'll have a little nap, which will be so lovely. I want to have a nap this afternoon. It's day, tw- <laughs> it's day 29 I'm gonna, for me, I think. I'm going to give you permission. You can do it. <laughs> and normally on day 29, I'll like, if I have yoga booked in the afternoon, I'm like, oh, I might go to a, the later class or I just won't go. Yeah. And then I just I just prioritize a good nap um, yeah. because I fade come the afternoon if I'm getting ready to bleed. So I love that. Yeah. Um, now, share with us, how did you get into this line of work? Because a lot of people ask me, how did you become a menstrual cycle coach? But I think it's a little bit different when we're talking about, you know, very sensitive topics to, for many people like abortion and termination. But how did you become you know, a supporter of abortion and miscarriage and termination? Oh, amazing. Um, so very intuitively, um, I my story sort of began when I was 17. Um, I actually had a miscarriage back um, when I was in high school and my partner and I at the time were going to keep the baby. Um, and then at 11 and a half weeks, I had a miscarriage and I pretty much just popped that whole experience up on the top of a filing cabinet in my brain and thought, I'll never deal with this. I'm fine. It's all good. Um, We fast forward a number of years. And when I was 25, I fell pregnant again um, with a different partner. And we made the really tough decision to go through with having an abortion. Um, And I just didn't feel like there was any support out there for people going through that space. Um, And then on top of that, I was already quite started on my spiritual journey, started very intuitively working through that. Um, And then it was probably about three or four months in, I just had this really big sort of draw to this is what I'm meant to do. This is my purpose. Um, And so I'll often say like Oakland, which was my angel for um, my abortion, she planted the seed inside of me that started Jocelyn Coaching. She was the one that 
created this to be what it is and now I just get to live my absolute passion um, and I've done lots of other different things along my spiritual time or my background is as an um, as a physio so I've done lots of trauma training and all of those extra things that have just fed so beautifully into the work that I do so yeah that's kind of my journey very intuitive and very um, just very passion driven and very much like this is this is my purpose. And this feels like what I need to be doing. Exactly. Like, exactly. This feels like, yeah, I'm in the right space. I'm in the right place. I'm, just, you know, my vocal cords and my throat chakra is thriving on these, like this communication Absolutely. pathway. Absolutely. And even like to the point that it was, um, is actually in my birth chart. So um, I don't know if you've ever had your astrology birth chart read and I can't remember the exact day. I'd have to look it up, but um pretty much on Oakland's due date, which is the 2nd of March, 2020. Um, it's like how my question for that day from in my personal chart was um, how will your soul feel a light in your life? And I just was like, oh, my God, like that's literally her due date. Like everything just felt so right. So, yeah, I just love that I get to live out this. Um, live out this passion of mine and help so many beautiful women and their support networks through this really really troubling time thank you so much for sharing because it can be a very challenging confronting and lonely time like Mm. you know everyone who's listening to this episode I'm pretty much going to just say you've already listened to my two episodes um, that I've brought out about my own personal experiences with um, termination in 2020 um, seems like it was the year for us the, mm. in 2020. Um, but it's it's been so surprising how many menstruators and women have reached out who have been through these experiences themselves and felt extremely lonely and have felt extremely isolated and not knowing how to process, I think has been one of the, like, the biggest challenges. Um, but what was your experience like? So as we're recording this now, your experience um, with your angel was around a year and a half ago. And what was that experience like for you? Um, and I think a good explanation for people, because since I've had these conversations with others outside of the podcast, most people don't even know there's a couple of different ways you can have a termination or a couple of different ways you can have an abortion. But let's start with like, what was your experience? Yeah, sure. Um, so I found out at five weeks. Um, I do you want the long story or the short story? I'm not really sure. <laughs> Just whatever you feel like you want to share. I'm right. ready. I'm, I'm I'm ready for it. Give it to us. Okay. Um, so I um, found out at five weeks, and um, I went in and I sat down with my partner and um, had a chat with him. And I'm a very um, very goal driven, and so I sat down and I said to him, I was like we're not making a decision for a week. I was like, we have the flexibility. We're going to give ourselves the week. And that week was like an emotional roller coaster. Like the first few days, like every half an hour, I'd change my mind. And then it got to a point where it would be an hour or so and things like that. Um, and it was a few nights um, before the Sunday. So I think it was on the Friday night because the Sunday is when I'd said, well, let's make a decision by. Um, and then on the Friday night, he was on sleep shift and I, remember I just put my hands on my stomach and I was just like I don't think now is the right time and I just got this really strong sense of love coming around me of like yeah I felt very grounded in that decision um I then booked a clinic appointment two days later so two weeks later I 
didn't go through with the medical one, which is where you can have a tablet and you can do it in your own home. And the reason for that is I just felt like it would be really traumatic for me because of my miscarriage. I felt really like I hadn't healed from that and I wasn't ready to see that. Um, so I booked in for a surgical. Um, I went into the clinic and honestly, those people are just so beautiful um, and so loving. And I distinctly remember this nurse, I'd just gotten onto the like table um, and I'd just started crying. I'd sort of held myself together until then. And I just started crying and she was just like, it's going to be okay, sweetie, I've got you. And I just then was like, it was so emotional, but it was such a beautiful way to say goodbye to her in that physical form as well. Um, and then you sort of woke up and I, um, one thing that I actually found really traumatic and I've had a few conversations with a few clients about <clears throat> is how you wake up. So um, you go, well, I personally went into the clinic and I didn't have underwear on. And then when I came out of the clinic, I had the underwear on up into my hips, but not actually un over my bum and over my um, vagina. And I remember waking up and actually feeling quite traumatized from that because it was like someone had put that on me, like cover up, cover up. You shouldn't be talking about it. Um, and even to this day, that's still something that when that happens, I will not that it regularly happens, but when I think about that, I'm like, oh, it makes me feel really yucky because from the moment it's still really covered. It's still really like, you can't just let that moment happen. Um, and then my partner and I actually stayed at an Airbnb. I didn't want to come home. I was like, I don't want to be at home for this. I want to be out somewhere else. And we really made a retreat of it in some sense. Um, and we've done that the whole way through our, our experience and our journey. So we stayed at an Airbnb. We had no Wi-Fi, no nothing. And I pretty much slept for like two days straight, just slept on. I'd be awake for an hour, go back to bed for an hour. Um, and yeah, that was really the early parts of my journey. I then spent a few months, it was about two, three months, really hiding from it. I really didn't know how to deal with it. I threw myself into work. I threw myself into every single other aspect of my life. Um, and things started crumbling, crumbling down around, around this time last year, September, October. Um, and I distinctly remember I went to, funnily enough, Rosie Reeves' new yoga workshop. And I came home and I got straight into the shower, fully clothed, and I just cried in the shower for 45 minutes. And that was my big turning point. That was the point that I was like, I'm ready to heal and I need to see these emotions and feel these emotions. Um, and then Jocelyn Coaching was birthed on the 29th of October when we were down south again with no internet. So there's a bit of a theme here. Um, <laughs> Unplugging is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, and that just kind of everything just fell from there and it just felt so beautiful and nourishing. Um, and now I really do live in honour. Now I really live in honour. I talk to my angels regularly. So Charlotte was my miscarriage um, and I regularly bring them into my life as well as into my client's life. So before I sit down with a client, I ask my angels, I'm like, Go connect with their angel. Tell me what they need to hear today. So even before jumping on this podcast, I'm like, let's connect. Can you go find their angel and let's connect them together? And oh, just that's so let sweet. Them feel that, you know. So, yeah, that's my journey. I love that. Thank you so much for being vulnerable and sharing. 
more women need to hear about these, I guess, journeys. And even just what you mentioned about laying on the table and crying. Mm. For me, my story was a little bit different in, I guess, the termination for me was the rebirth. Mm. So I, I rebirthed through the surgical experience, you could say. And that's because, you know, I came out of basically six months of infidelity mm-hmm. um, to find out that I was pregnant after the fact that, you know, that I, we weren't together and then really confused with the conflicting view of, okay, well, I always disagreed with abortions and terminations. And I thought if that was ever to happen for me, and we'll talk about this, I guess, later on, but I would never have an abortion. I would, And so it really challenged me not to mention I was extreme. I was just, I was hysterical. Mm. Yeah. And even just recording this episode, this is like pretty much nearly to the day a year ago that I conceived. And it's interesting because everyone's journey is so different and laying on the table, the surgical table, for those who don't know what it looks like, it's like going into a, like, I guess, a dentist and getting your wisdom Mm. teeth out. The lights are really bright. You're laying on the table. You're in like an old school robe. This is what happened for me. And you aren't wearing any underwear. You're just naked under this robe and you lay down with your legs in the stirrups. And I, you know, they couldn't find my vein because I was so dehydrated and I was hysterically crying thinking, is this a sign that I shouldn't be doing this? But your message about waking up and then having the underwear on you weirdly, I actually can't remember. I had to, I remember I had to put a pad and I have period underwear being a cycle coach. I have period underwear, but I'm pretty sure they put a pad and they asked me for a clean pair of undies and they put a pad in the undies. And I remember going to the toilet um, after I work up and that's actually when I took a photo and that photo is the same photo that I shared when I, when I openly shared the first podcast episode of the termination. So if you see that photo, that's me literally minutes after I wake up from my surgery, that's my rebirth photo. Mm. And Every woman's experience is so uniquely theirs. You can't compare. Um, But I love what you said, um, Jocelyn, about how you really allow your experience of of both miscarriage and termination to, you know, be blessed with an angel and that you were able to connect with yourself and that, you know, full of love made, you know, made a decision from a space of love rather than fear or scarcity. But for all the women and couples um, or menstruators alone out there who are going through this, like how can people potentially heal from having an experience of either a miscarriage or a termination or abortion? Yeah, beautiful. Um, My biggest thing is always letting your feelings be felt, which I am probably the first person to say that is so uncomfortable. Um, (laughs) I used to always say, I'm like, I never cry. Um, I don't, I don't, not a, emotional person and now I've really stepped into that feminine energy um but I always try we with my clients we move through four stages so we go from uncovering those emotions so sometimes those emotions or it can be belief systems are really deep um, and they can be ingrained from our childhood or ingrained from a different experience um, and we uncover those and then we bring those feelings to the light And then I'm really big about accepting those feelings. So letting them be seen and heard and loved just as they are. We don't need to sugarcoat them. We don't need to make them um, look different because your your sadness looks different to my sadness. It's exactly what they're meant to be. 
And then the final thing is always to love on them, you know, and really surround them with love. So I did a lot of work of looking back at myself on those, those days where I was ignoring those feelings or back on the clinic day. And I would send love back to her and just be like, you know what, I'm so grateful for that Jocelyn that day because she was resilient or she was courageous or she sat down and she just had a cup of tea when she really needed to sit down and have a cup of tea. And she that's hard doing that sometimes. Exactly. I, think that's, I think that's harder than just doing, moving on, getting everything sorted, going to work, yeah. you know, still keeping up with your social life. I think it's harder to stop because it's like, you're allowing yourself to settle and then everything arises. Yeah. And the other thing, um, I was talking with a client about this this morning, and the other thing I think of it as is it's actually you giving to yourself, which it can be really hard. We live in a society where sometimes we're so used to giving out all the time and we don't always give back to ourselves or we don't always allow that receiving to happen. Um, And, yeah, I just think that those times are even more of a time where, we have to learn to give to ourselves, and that can be really hard and really uncomfortable, particularly when we might not know what to give, which most of the time, if you're on this journey and you're not sure, give yourself time, space, love and compassion. Just 100%. give yourself those. And it can be just five minutes, just five minutes where you sit down, you're like, all I'm going to focus on is my cup of tea. That's all mm. I'm going to do right now. Um, and it really actually reminds me of a, a moment when um, this was in probably just over a year ago now, I was at home by myself and I'd had a self-care night and I felt like I was like, I feel good. Um, but I'd probably done the very superficial self-love stuff. Like I'd had a shower, I'd washed my hair and all those things are beautiful and I'd loved it, but it was, I hadn't actually gotten to the core. Um, and I sat down and I meditated and literally halfway through the meditation I just started wailing yay Um, (laughs) and that release of everything needed to happen but it was also that that build up and I'd given myself that time to actually unwind from all the things that I should do you know oh I should have a shower oh I should do this I should do this I should do this I should meditate and then when I finally got to a state where I'm just going to sit and I just sat that emotion just flooded and it allowed it to flow through. And the next day, yeah, I woke up puffy-eyed, but, man, I woke up so much better. And I was like, Clearer. Yeah. A lot more clarity. Yeah. I think what I see in a lot of my clients and also just women who have reached out around this and, you know, I get very long messages on Instagram. I just listened to your first episode about your termination and this is what happened to me. And it's quite, it's, it's like a, not a life story, but it's a very long message. Mm. And I always make sure that I give the love and attention to reply to messages like that, because it takes a lot of guts to, to message and yeah. share those things. So generally people who get a message or when I get a message, like I'll generally leave a voice message reply and it's like, you know, just so it's more personal, but it's interesting because I feel that we do, we just hold on, hold on, hold on. And as my best friend Amber says, she's a breathwork educator and um, behavioral cognitive therapist, is that it's like holding on to your breath. So you're breathing mm-hmm. in, you're holding on, you don't have any extra room to inhale and then exhale because you're already so full, but you, ha- you have to exhale so you can re-inhale. Mm-hmm. And um, I think one of the things that I've definitely learned 
And this was from before, you know, I, I found out I was even pregnant just with that experience I was going through is to just let it fucking be. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm very grateful for my, my, my now partner because I've had some of the most hysteric meltdowns and he just, all he knows he needs to do is just sit there and rub my back or hold yeah. me or just, he doesn't have to fix it. He just has to let me be a basket case for like 30 yeah. minutes. And um, I, I sometimes I'm like, I'm so sorry. You've probably never seen a girl cry like this before. And he's like, I don't know what's wrong. I'm like, you don't need to know what's wrong. It's just, no. just the space. And so yeah. if you feel like you're someone who's listening to this and you're like, oh, I haven't had a space to do that or I haven't had the chance to do that, literally it can be just after a big day, just allowing yourself to just close the door in life mm-hmm. and just spend some time at home alone or go for a walk on your own. Like the amount of times I've been walking and literally just dropped to my knees on the beach and just started hysterically crying. I must have looked like a crazy woman on the beach. But any any moment you feel an inch of a tear, you need to let that go. Otherwise, you just keep pushing it down and pushing it down. And let the pressure off that it has to be this movie scene. It doesn't have to be glamorous. It doesn't have to be any of that. It can literally be in the car it can literally be like I sit there and I'm like everything can wait everything can wait if this is what you need to feel then it can wait um Mm. I want to quickly dive back just very quickly because I want to give a number one tip that I have for the support networks so um one of the big things that my partner did that changed a lot for me is when I was crying, he he was like, I don't know what to do with you. Um, especially from you know the start of our relationship, I'm like, I don't cry, I don't need this. So right now I'm like, oh my god, hold me, stroke my hair. Um, <laughs> Tell me I'm beautiful, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> um, one of the big things that happened for us is that he changed his question from are you okay to what feelings are you feeling? And with the follow-up question of tell me about it. And he was essentially asking the same thing, but in a really loving, beautiful way. Because what would happen is he would say, are you okay? And I'd be like, well, clearly I'm not okay. I'm crying. And I would, you know, straight away flourish to this anger space. It's a trick. It's a trigger. It's a trigger. It is a trigger. Um, Where then coming into this, like, how are you feeling? Or like, tell me about those feelings. Or I can, I can feel that you're sad right now, you know? And it then also opened that dialogue for me with him of saying, well, how are you feeling? And he was usually feeling the same way. He just wasn't expressing that. Um, And so that's just my number one tip for those support networks is just really think about like, instead of, are you okay? Just changing it to like, how are you feeling? Tell me about that. Or how can I support you right now? You know, or what does love look like to you today? Just those little questions that's, a nice reminder or how can we um the other one that he asked me is how can we celebrate her today and I just think that that's such a beautiful question and sometimes I'm like let's just have a cup of tea together or I'm like oh just give me a really nice kiss then and that's all it doesn't have to be a big extravagant thing um but yeah that's my number one tip for support networks that's so beautiful I think and just to um like the way that I'm interpreting it is that the partner that you conceived with, you're still mm-hmm. with today. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So for everyone listening, you've had this, like the, the main supporter with you the entire process, which is really beautiful. Now that doesn't happen for everyone. It didn't happen mm-hmm. for me. Um, so before we dive into like looking at, I guess, supporting roles of our community, mm-hmm. our support community, 
Let's just talk about some stats around abortion, termination and miscarriage, because I feel that this is really undereducated on. Mm. I remember, you know, when I went in to have my termination and similar to you, it was during COVID time. So like I had to go on my own. I wasn't allowed to take anybody with me. And I had to read the booklet that they make you read so that you are fully aware of what it is that you're doing. Like technically Mm. you are terminating a life. And so they want you to be fully educated and informed that you're making the best decision for yourself. And so in the booklet, it also, well, my booklet anyway, it shared about the stats that different women go through and how it's very common for families or women who already have, say, two, three, four kids that, you know, if they conceive unplanned and they've already got a family that they, you know, are full with, they decide to terminate. And that's a very big high rate of terminations is for families that already have kids. And they're like, yeah. but we don't want any more kids. <laughs> so tell us about what your experience and knowledge is around this area. Yeah. So like how, um, how common are terminations and abortions? Yeah. So the stats that I know of is one in four women have an abortion and one in four women have a miscarriage and about 80% of pregnancies end in the miscarriage sector in the miscarriage area which is a really mm. large number and and, and technically I, just just for miscarriage yeah. how many weeks pregnant are you a miscarriage until it becomes a stillbirth from what i've heard it's anything after 20 weeks um and then before that is always classified as a miscarriage but it's classified as a um it depends on what state you're in as well that's the other complication with birth and things like do do you mean do you mean state of mind state of body or where you live no where you live okay um so for instance um uh i know you're in brisbane in perth we still had when i went to the clinic we still had protesters out the front literally on the fence line um there that was only came into effect a few months ago now that they have to be 150 meters away which just adds to a whole another level of tabooness and yuckiness around the whole topic um but yeah, so um, from it depends on what state you're in. I know in WA, um, it's up to 16 weeks is sort of that that um, miscarriage type stage. So up to 32 weeks is miscarriage, um, and then after that is that stillbirth because you actually have to birth the baby and things like that as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, it just really and you can still you can still have to birth the baby at 25 Younger. weeks, 28 yep. weeks, and so. Yep. Every journey is so unique. This is like, I guess it comes back to the point here that there is no, oh, well, I also got my four wisdom teeth out and you got, I, I had that done too. They're the same thing. Exactly. All of these experiences are so unique. It's like saying sex with the same person is always the same. I'm sorry. It's always going to yeah. be slightly different. <laughs> so, yeah. And some people like to refer to their stillbirths as a miscarriage and some people like to refer to their miscarriages as a stillbirth. It's really up to you um yep. i have one client that she doesn't love the word abortion she she just says she has a lot of resistance to it so we changed it to a voluntary miscarriage and she's like that just sits so much better for her and i'm like mm-hmm. it's all about you and if it works for you and it's part of your healing journey then that's all that matters totally but it's just such a large number of people um just to go back to that it's such a large number of people and i also sat there and was like it's such a large number of people who have support networks as well. Um, and that support network doesn't have to be your partner. It can be your mum, your dad, your sister, your best friend. It doesn't have to be that person that um, you conceived with. Your support network can be a variety, which is why I always say support network, because yeah. sometimes it's not 
your partner. I'm very fortunate my partner was really supportive and he was one of my main supports. Um, I was very grateful as well. My roommate, she's been so supportive through my experience as well. But for other people, it might be their mum. It might be their best friend who lives across, you know, in another state or whatever that might look like. So, yeah, I mean, I've had lots of other supporters as well. I could probably list them all off, but we'd be here forever. So, <laughs> Having a support community is really important. And yeah. above all, putting yourself first is the, of the highest importance. Um, after I had my surgery, I didn't want to be at home, similar to yourself. And I went and stayed with my best friend and her partner. And they, he was just, um, love you, Ryan. He was like... <laughs> a male rock for me at the time, you know, because I didn't, you know, I didn't really tell my family. I just had two, two, two best friends that knew one was not at, within driving, like not around the corner. The other one yep. was around the corner. Um, and I just bunkered at her house for like three days. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I was the same sleeping. And I think that even though the stats are quite high for these types of experiences, it goes to show that many women have experienced them. Um, regardless of whether it was 20 years ago or two weeks ago, I think it's still important to process it and your support network is everything. And Mm. so the more open and vulnerable you can be, the more you'll be able to receive and, and, um, receive and also let go or process. I think, you know, the more open I've been about it, the more I've been able to like really process and, you know, I literally never knew I was that strong not physically strong. I just never knew I had the tenacity to do yeah. something like that for myself. And I was, excuse my language, but I was a fucking basket case. Yeah. You know, I've yeah. never lived in, in trauma like that ever mm-hmm. before, you know, hysterically crying for like weeks on end mm-hmm. and barely being able to like sit myself at my desk to be able to then talk to my clients about their miscarriages and them trying to conceive. And so um, it's interesting just to be able to create a support network and that can look like any, any anything um and you don't need 50 people you don't even need five people you just need two or three people that can sit and hold that space for you you just totally. need those people that can be there and that you feel safe with um and I I think sometimes people will say like I've had a few who go but I don't want to tell my whole story like you do and I go that's fine it's a privilege for someone to know your story Now, I share my story with the whole world. There are still aspects that I don't share. There are still special spots that my partner and I go, the whole world doesn't need to know that little part of our story. But the rest of it, I'm like, this is what I'm meant to do. But not everyone has to hear. Not everyone has to follow that same path. Um, And similar to you, when I get those messages of the really explained stories, I sit there and sometimes I'll respond back and say, I'm just doing something at the moment, but I will respond back when I've got five minutes so that then they're still seen and heard and loved, but I just want to really come into that space for them. Mm. Um, Because sometimes a support network as well isn't someone who is there all the time. They can just say one or two things that can help heal along the way. Yes, you're you're just like your mentors you can never meet. Mm. You know, they might be someone that you read their book or you saw them on YouTube or whatever. Um, I just want to say that your support network or a support person can be a coach like yourself, Mm. you know, who works in the space. Um, A support person can be someone who it could even be a a counselor or a psychologist um, who you just happen to do a session with once a month. I know for me, one of my support people was one of my spiritual healers. And I, I made that 
something that I did and that's how I met my soul. Yeah. You know, um, or you, you refer to um, as an angel that, yeah, that's how I met them. And that's how I just kind of knew that that was the right decision and that we communicated together and had a discussion. And I felt really confident that I'd made the right decision when that had happened um, because yeah. there was still a little bit of doubt and doubt in there. Um, so let's talk about, I guess, the mindset after having something like this because, excuse my language, but fuck me, yeah. your mind can just be like all over the place. <laughs> and then yeah. It still happens to me sometimes, you know, yeah. I was, I was due, uh, my pregnancy due date was around the same time as my best friend and the same time as my sister-in-law all within like, you know, four or five weeks together. And so, you know, sometimes I look at my beautiful nephew and niece and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, and I get a little bit triggered, but I just think that there's such special reminders for me. Yeah. So what are some tips um, or steps that you could provide someone who's listening to this who has a little bit of this itty-bitty shitty committee going on in their mind about living in that past, living in that fear sense. Yeah, we have so many parallels in our story because my um, my partner's niece was born. Her due date was three weeks after um, our due date. And mm, so similar do. concept, we've got to see that, um, see her live out what we could have lived out. Um one of my biggest things is to change your what ifs. So sometimes we can get caught in this what if, what if I've done it? What if I had done it? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if? And changing that back to, well, what if this is a moment that I get to connect with myself? Or what if this is a moment that I get to learn this? Or what if this is a moment that a relationship with a soul looks different? You know, it doesn't look in the conventional way potentially, which may be a bit woo-woo for some people and that's totally fine. You can take what you want from it. Um, my other thing is I always love people to journal because I think getting that out of your mind and getting it onto paper can just be so helpful because it takes away all those those com extra little conversations um, and it means that when you close that journal you can say yep that's enough I don't need to keep thinking about that because if I need to return back to that it's in my journal totally our, intu our intuition to um, doesn't talk to us anxiously it talks to us with love and kindness so when we're having those what ifs and things like that that's our mind that's our mind trying to keep us safe um, if you've also come from a background where I come from a very religious family and so I grew up with this belief system that abortion was bad it was you weren't meant to do it it wasn't talked about and having to overcome those things as well is just as important for myself um, and it's something that I see as well with people whether that be religious pressure or society pressure again we don't people don't talk about it yet mm -hmm. Once you open that conversation, the amount of friends, amount of people that I've met and I just start talking about it and they're like, oh, my God, that happened to me too. Or that happened totally. to me 50 years, 50 years ago or this or that. And once that conversation has started, you'll realise that there's less taboo-ness around it because you feel comfortable with it. So It's actually more connection too. You, you'll realise how connected you are to other women by sharing. Whereas when yeah. you don't share, you feel really isolated. But then when you do share, even if it hasn't happened to them personally, they're like, oh, actually this happened to this person. Like, mm -hmm. it bring, it, I feel it unites us. Yeah, yeah. I always say I want to create a mother's group for mothers who don't have babies to hold because 
there is a mother's group. There are groomers groups for so many things now, yet there's not a mother's group for this. And it's like, but we still go through similar postpartum hormonal changes. Definitely. We still, you know, <laughs> we still go through that emotional side of things. It's just that it's all behind closed doors. Yeah, um, totally. I have to interrupt this episode to let you know that today is sponsored by my five-day Love Your Cycle mini course. This is a self-paced course to teach you the foundations and fundamentals of your menstrual cycle in less than a week. If you are a woman looking to rediscover your cycle, reconnect with your feminine in a new way, understand your cycle science and what they mean, this is the mini course for you. Receive daily educational class videos and audios, along with action steps, cycle tracking guides, cycle prompts, and the Love Your Cycle 50-page ebook and audiobook. This is your chance to discover the things that you wish you had have been taught about your cycle at school, how to eat, how to move, honoring your emotions, and identifying PMS and cycle science before they arise. It's your turn to join thousands of women from all over the world who have already taken this course to reclaiming and reconnecting with their bodies. And you can do this too for less than a fancy vegan burger in under a week. To learn more, head to wellsome.com forward slash shop. That's W-E-L-L-S-O-M-E dot com forward slash shop. And use the code CYCLELOVE to save 20% off. So going back to, I guess, your question, um, I tend to divert, sorry. No, this is great. Um, <laughs> I, I, love, I love the whole diversion. And before you go back, to yeah. stick with the diversion okay. <laughs> while we're diverted already. Yeah, um, stay on the path. <laughs> is that I think when we look at this, something that I like to think of, um, Jocelyn, is my termination experience and I, I talk about this in cyclical awareness so every time we ovulate we are having some kind of birthing experience and mm. that's releasing something or verbalize something or opening the doorway to something new is that going through a birthing experience of even if it's a, a surgical or a medical termination miss um, whether it's a miscarriage or an abortion I really see this as a rebirthing and that's why I feel for me this was a rebirthing for myself and for those who have been following me for a long time, could probably see that my life is very different now than what it was last year or even the year before or year before that. And if you were going through this experience or you're yet to go through the experience and you're pondering on the experience, whether this is the right or wrong decision, which there is no right or wrong decision, there's only what feels most aligned to you is look at, well, what am I birthing in this experience and what is actually coming forward for me is this a change of career is it an awakening where I start I start to really recognize hang on I fucking love my body all of a sudden and you've never done that before is it where you birth a new project and you're like this experience like for you this experience Mm. has turned me into an abortion coach Mm. and so having a business as an example is a baby yeah it requires just as much attention if not sometimes more or sometimes less, um, and you have to turn up for it. And if you don't, it will die. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same, Any anything, you can birth anything. And I love what you mentioned about journaling. For me, the, there's a few things that kept me sane. And I, was, I felt still very alone and I felt like my family didn't really know how to ask me about it too much. And I always said to them, look, I just need you to listen. I don't need you to say anything. I just need you to listen. But I still, you know, only had a couple of people really check in like hey just checking in you know how are you traveling with this Mm. Um, or is there anything that I can do to support 
but the journaling every day, no matter how fucked up I thought my day was and how, and I got so, I got quite skinny because I just was bleeding and I just was anxious Mm. and I wasn't feeling like mentally I was very ill Mm. every day, just writing five things I was grateful for. Yeah. And sometimes that was like, I'm grateful for a roof over my head. I'm grateful that I had food on my plate and they're things to be grateful to, but they were such simplistic gratitudes, but they kept me from being like, my life is shit. Absolutely. And so if you don't feel like you can be a journaler because it's a bit confronting, start with gratitudes is what I would Mm. suggest, you know, just write five things. And I'm very grateful that my partner now, you know, I always instilled in him that I wanted to do gratitudes. And so instead of me journaling them now, sometimes I still journal them, but we do them verbally and we share oh, them. Oh, we do that too. Yeah, oh. between each other. And he works, like he works away from for work sometimes, like he's away at the moment. And still every night before we go to bed, we call each other yeah. and ask, you know, what are five things you're grateful for today, vice versa. And yeah. I think it's just a great way to recognize there is so much you can be grateful for, even in some of the darkest days or darkest yeah. moments. Yeah. And I love, I do lots of those things. And one thing I um, add on for that with my clients, and if you want to stretch yourself as well, is um, what was the highlight of my day? Mm. Because the amount of times that I seriously wrote that the highlight of my day was I sat down with my cup of tea is (laughs) gobsmacking, like gobsmacking, because I just couldn't see that there was a good day. There wasn't a good part of my day. But for me, having a cup of tea is just so um, so relaxing for me. It's a bit of a ceremony now. Um, but for me, it was like if that was the highlight of your day, just recognize that and let that be the highlight. Celebrate let it, it. See that exactly. Let them see that there is still a celebration in something, and just keep keep going because every time you show up, every time you feel that emotion, it's going to get better and mm. it's going to get easier. And find a support network whether that be with friends or family or a coach or a spiritual healer whoever it might be find someone because you don't have to do it alone but you can also do still do it each day just taking baby steps one at a time yeah I think that there is always a light at the end of the tunnel it just depends on where you're shining your light yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. and we can always turn we always turn backwards and look back so much when we actually if we just turn and look forward and took it one little bit at a time yeah and I think like we've already talked about crying and just having a little mini meltdown it's totally fine I don't know about mini I think mine were pretty big (laughs) no I had some pretty big ones too but in the middle of nowhere you can have a little mini one and then that turns into a big one and sometimes you know I'll never forget when my partner asked me and this was about maybe seven months after the termination we met roughly like four months after um, quite hilarious story because he'd actually listened to my termination podcast episode before we'd even met um, in person because we met online. I love that. And he thought that the termination was from <laughs> was from years ago when he listened to the yeah. podcast episode, and I was like, "No, mate, that was like four months ago." Mm-hmm. So about seven months after, or like in, we were driving. Um, we were on a on a road trip together, and he asked me the question, "Are you really happy with your life?" He's a very deep thinker. I love it. I was going to say that's a very deep question. Yeah, he's a very deep thinker. And, you know, he's got got more beautiful journaling practices than I do and meditates a lot longer than I do every day. And um, love him for those practices. And he asked this question and I sat pretty much in silence for like five hours in the car going, fuck, am I really happy with my life? 
And then I realized, even though I'm very happy with my life, I was still sad. Mm. Yeah. And out of nowhere, I had the biggest like meltdown. Mm. And he's like, is everything okay? And I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like nodding my head politely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And I just, I didn't, I didn't, didn't really realize why, why I was sad, but I just met my best friend's baby. And, you know, it was just a few little things. And I just realized that I was just sad and I didn't have to label it any other way. Um, but I think just the hardest thing is recognizing how you actually feel and just admitting it and it's okay. Mm. And mm. I think not trying to change it. Yeah. Just totally. accepting that you can grieve and be grateful at the same time. Totally. Um, let's switch gears back to kind of what we were talking about before. Sorry. <laughs> no, do not apologize ever. <laughs> um, let's talk about negative comments and unsolicited advice, because I feel like it is quite shamed and it is quite tabooed. Um, the amount of people who I have met who have been like I was in the past, no, not doing this. I always believed that if I was to conceive, this would be the soul was ready for this earth and it was the time for me. <laughs> Um, but everyone's got an opinion and ultimately the only opinion that matters is really yours. But how do you recommend to your clients dealing with negative comments from other people in this unsolicited advice when you just want to be like, fuck off? Yeah. Like how do you, how um, do you deal with that? If you're strong enough to say fuck off, then I highly recommend saying that. Okay, cool. um, with love, still with love. Um, <laughs> I love you, but, but I fuck do- off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I usually recommend, so in that initial, if you're still trying to make that decision, is that you selectively pick who you tell. You don't need to tell everyone. If you feel called to, that's fine. But selectively pick that knowing that they're going to want to give you advice. Or what I always set up with is I actually say that um, I have a little spiel that I send to my clients. And it's really about saying, you know, hey, I'm going through this experience, but Um, And I would love for you to be there and support me. But that looks like this to me. That looks like not telling me what your thoughts are. That looks like not putting your fears on me. But what it looks like is holding that space for me, asking me how I'm feeling and asking me how I'm feeling today. Because for me, every day was different. Every half an hour was different for a little while there. And so asking that question and just be really gentle with that. but it also gives the opportunity to the other person to say, hey, look, I don't think I can do that. And it gives them a way out. So it doesn't ruin that relationship. You're not having this, well, I expected this. That other person can say, look, hey, I just don't think I can do that for you right now. And you're like, cool, that's fine. I will go find someone else. And mm. it's not, I will go find someone else because you can't do it. It's, I understand that that's not something you're able to do right now. Um it's like a beautiful practice that my best friend and I, she lives in South Australia, we have now is if we've got something going on for us, we'll actually say to them, hey, have you got capacity today? And it's that thing of before the conversation even starts, rather than me just getting on the phone and being like word vomit on her. And sometimes she'll say, really beautiful. I actually, yeah, actually I don't today. And I'm like, cool, no problems. Love you still. How's your day going? And it's, it's not then the conversation is finished. It's just I know that she's not that person for me today, but I've got someone else that I can lean on. Um, So that's one thing is really having those really clear expectations and being really limited. And then when you do want to start telling people, if you do, this might be afterwards or what this might look like, is making sure that you're really grounded and safe in yourself. 
So making sure it's in a safe environment, you know, maybe doing it at home with a cup of tea, um, maybe doing it, you know, once you've journaled on it, what things are important for you? What, could, what does support look like back to you? And knowing that you've got yourself no matter what anyway, but just letting, sort of turning down the volume on anything that doesn't help. You know, I had to take a step back from a lot of friends and a lot of family that weren't supportive. Um, some of my family don't know. Um, most of my family do. And some of my biggest support networks is actually my brothers now. But initially I had to sort of really step back and go, I just really need to do this for me. And without all this advice or without, mm. have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about, you know, have you thought about logistics? Have you thought about financial? Have you thought about all these things? And it's like, of course I have. Of course I've thought about all those things. But just turning that down so that then I could come back to this quiet space of well, what's inside me. Yeah. And just learning who I could tap into. Um, and I will quite literally now say, like I will say to my partner, I need attention. I need connection, you know, and just telling someone this is what I need. And if they're not respecting that, if they are giving unsolicited advice, then just saying, hey, look, right now I think I just want you to repeat back what I'm saying to you. Or right now, I think I just want to hug. Or right now, you know, I actually just want to sit. And can we just, you know, sit and hold hands? And that's it. And there is so much power in silence. Isn't there? So much power, especially when someone else holds it. Um, and as someone who's a constant talker, I have to constantly remind myself of zip it up, stop talking. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just turning down the volume of anyone who, if you leave that conversation not feeling good, aligned or at peace, you know, that doesn't mean you have to have that set answer at the end of that conversation, but not feeling yucky, then turn that volume down, take that step away, have a breather and saying to that person, maybe it's, hey, I still love you, but right now I just really need some space. I just really need to to have this support and this is how I need my support. I love that. I think okay. that, I hope that helps. No, it's very helpful. I think everyone can just be reminded that you can apply this before and after. I think with miscarriage, it's more of a sudden thing. It's kind of like the, and this is just my viewpoint. Everyone's got their own viewpoint, but I believe that that's the body's, the body's wish. Yeah, for whatever reason, that's the body's desire because the body's not, as a, as a woman or any human, our body is not designed to put us into challenge or conflict or hurt us or make us sick. Our body is not designed to do that. It's designed to protect us. So any decision the body makes on its own, it's in a choice of protection. So I always see miscarriage as a protection mechanism for whatever reason. But when it comes to termination abortion, they're decisions. Mm. And so for me, one of the best things that I, I found was not telling anybody before. I told my two best friends, but one, because I was with them when I found out when I was pregnant. Yeah. And then the other one, you know, I couldn't not like not tell. She's my absolute best yeah. friend of forever. Um, love you, Jess. And when it comes to, to that, I, I feel that that was the most supportive thing because it, it turned off the volume of the noise. Yeah. And it made me, re it really forced me to listen to my intuition and to what was going to be best for me without other people's opinions. 
then afterwards everyone obviously had an opinion and people like oh but we Mm. would have helped you and we would have supported Mm -hmm. you and I'm like this is why I just need you to listen and so Mm -hmm. I think if you can identify with how you need or how you can support yourself like I need rest I need tea I need to go for a walk all of those things I think you'll be able to better identify that with others but ultimately you choose who you surround yourself with and if it's unsupportive then close the door off to that however if we look at the flip side I like to think of like well what about the people on the outside who love you but don't know how to support I think if you can communicate and say hey look if you you know I can sense that you want to ask me about this Hmm. um and if you do this is a good way you can ask me Hmm. so I think that if you don't be afraid to take the, the lead there. I was going to say control, but I think lead is a better word. Like yeah. To lead them because your loved ones want to love you. And I can sense that, you know, my dad definitely after I told him, and this was like two or three weeks after I'd had the surgery, you know, he called me like every two days to check in. My brothers called me all the time, you know, to check in just to kind of, hey, how are you doing? And they were asking me about life, but they really wanted to make sure I wasn't like, you know, yeah. killing myself slowly. Yeah. So I think just also realize your loved ones want to support you, but sometimes they don't know how to support you. So if you can guide them on that, um, then that can be really supportive. And I tell you what, I've had a, I've had a meltdown in front of everyone in my family. And, you know, I just was like, no, that's important that they see this. And then I'm not hiding that aspect of myself because this is still really true for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to quickly go back to, I, in my opinion as well, I believe that mum and baby have to be ready, you know, so both both aspects have to be ready in that moment for that birth to happen. Um, and I 100% agree and, and some in terms of getting, telling your support networks what you need. And there's really, because I straight away went into, right, I need to find all the resources to give to all my support networks so everyone knows what to do. And I couldn't find anything, which is why I'm also so passionate about like the support networks. I'll have like conversations with the support networks of being like, cool, let's have this, like what things, you know, what does that look like? And it doesn't have to be big. It can be, you know, um, one of my first questions when I meet with um, my clients is, do you want me to use your um, soul's name or your angel's name? Because some people say, no, I don't. And some people where I love it, like my family all know they have to, they use her name. They use Oakland, they use Charlotte. Um, Even to the point where my brother's, my little brother is 17 and he'll be like asking me questions or he'll be like, oh, it's Oakland's due date today. And that makes me feel so loved and so beautiful because it's respecting that. Yeah. Um, But it's knowing that. And I I had to work that out that actually this is what I wanted. Um, And that's what that, looked like and I remember I've had a few people say to me like oh but it's it's not a baby um and look again if it if it serves you to call it a baby or if it serves you to call it a fetus or it serves you to call it whatever you need to call it then that works for you but one really interesting aspect that I had with a very close friend of mine was she was like it's not a baby and I was like but if I had a miscarriage at nine weeks you would classify it as a baby so why are we not doing the same if I'm asking for it to be classified as a baby as an abortion then why aren't we doing that and it's just this really interesting concept but you've got to be really grounded in yourself totally um, and know what what you need and what that looks like 
And sometimes you don't know. And just saying that, you know, saying, hey, look, right now I have no idea what I need. You know, I will tell you if it doesn't feel right. I think that's really beautiful. Um, And you've talked about this a a little bit around, you know, honouring your angel and, Mm -hmm. and all the soul and the baby and then giving them a name. So what are Mm -hmm. some things you can do to honour this? Like how do you honour, yeah, Oakland? Oh, I love, this is one of my favourite questions, Um, is so we, as I mentioned before, we really celebrate her. So for her due date, we went up to, um, went up to a beach house and we just really spent the time there and I had nothing on that day. So the only thing I set myself was I needed to get up and have a cup of tea. That was the only expectation I had for myself. So, you know, I went down for a walk on the beach. Um, I took my dog and, you know, I meditated and I journaled. I napped. I watched my favourite movies. And I really just lived a day where it felt really good for me. On her, um, the day that we went to the clinic, so the year anniversary, my partner and I, um, that was a lot more emotional for me than I actually anticipated, I think, because I had done so much healing and I thought I'll be fine I'll be good and on that day I was a lot more emotional than I expected um but we just had a really slow morning we went and um went out for lunch we went and actually had a couple's massage which was beautiful it was a really nice time for us to receive um and then we came home I did some journaling I meditated and my beautiful partner bought a lantern Um, which had a candle in it and we just sat on the couch and we just had some really slow music and we just lit the candle and I just cried and we just had this beautiful moment together. Um, So I always encourage people around those days, if you feel called to, set them up as a day that you can honour yourself and in honouring yourself, you will honour your angel, you will honour your soul. And Find it to be a day that you can connect back and your connection is going to look different to mine. You know, for me, lighting that candle was really beautiful. For some people, it might be going to the beach. Some people might be going for a hike. It can be really up to you. But in my day to day, um, I do lots of different little things. So one, I use their names. I'm really open with their names, Um, even to the point that on my email signature, it's on my email signature. Like I I make sure that it's on everything for me. and the other thing is that um, I love doing is if I forget something, so you know how sometimes you're walking out the door and you're like, oh, I need my water bottle or I need this. I'll go, oh, thanks, girls. Thanks, Charlotte and Oakland. Thank you for reminding me. And I'll go back and I'll get it and then I'll come back. So by keeping them in my loop, so any little miracle that happens, you know, um, if I... I'm trying to think. When I got asked for how to get perfect, when I got asked to do this podcast, I was like, oh my gosh, girls, thank you so much. Thank you so much for bringing this connection. Oh, that's so sweet. Um, and it's just those little things of, it's a moment of gratitude, but it's also a moment of connecting. Mm. Um, and as I mentioned before, I always call them in before my sessions, but it's like those things early on in my journey, it can even be that when I was sitting and having a cup of tea, I'd just be like, oh, what do I need to be aware of today? You know, what do I need to be aware of today, Charlotte and Oakland? And some days I feel more called to speak with Oakland and some days I feel more called to speak with Charlotte. It's a really, it's a really a variety between the two. Um, the other thing that I'd love to do is whenever I write out letters to myself, I always 
we'll say like to Jocelyn and then I'll write underneath it um, for the ears of Charlotte and Oakland so that then they again get to help me along my way. It's those little moments that you can bring them in honouring. I mean, I can tell you I have a ring for Oakland. I have a necklace for Charlotte. um, I have a tattoo on my um, ankle. I have all those things, but I feel like those things are really spoken about a lot more. But these little intuitive little moments is such a beautiful way. Um, One other thing that I just want to quickly throw on here Mm. that I did is um, after my clinic day, I so I've had a number of family members pass away um, or a number of loved ones pass away. And when I um, was journaling, this was about a day after, I um, wrote in my journal, but I also just sat there with my hand on my heart and I just said to all my other beautiful angels out there and I listed them off. I said, can you go and hold her and tell her she is loved and tell her she is beautiful and give her a kiss for me? And so I called in all the others that I have up there in order to nourish her as well from a mother's aspect. Um, So that can be a really beautiful way. And again, these things might sound a little woo-woo for some people and that's totally fine. But just, yeah, whenever I feel cold, if I get goosebumps on my shoulder, I'm like, oh, hello, girls, what are you doing here? You know, what do I need to be aware of? Um, And, yeah, that's what I do. So living and honouring, just honouring yourself. It's so beautiful. I um, I guess I do it in a very different way to this. And this is why hearing this and these suggestions is such a great thing. And it just goes to show there's lots of different ways you can connect and honour, um, you know, and there's different ways you can definitely communicate and connect with your soul. You know, I chose, you know, going down the spiritual aspect and working with some healers to do that. And that definitely kind of led me to what the soul wanted. Um, and the soul didn't really want to be, kind of drawn on and recognized in the way that you're describing. Um, but it's everyone's individual, um, I guess, experience. And I think that's why it's so important to be so connected and in tune with yourself. And Absolutely. I think something that is also just to touch on this really briefly before we get ready to wrap up is that in general, most terminations and abortions come due to an unplanned pregnancy. In natural fertility, we call this a UPP, it's an unplanned pregnancy. And it's important to just recognize that, okay, is my contraceptive choice or in the past has my contraceptive choice been beneficial to me and what my goals are? And has my goalpost changed since this experience? And I think that's a really good conversation to, to explore with yourself if you do have a partner that you Uh, with and you have the termination or abortion or miscarriage with still having this conversation with them is really important but also having it with yourself if you're not with a partner and that you that will impact you in the future potentially like what contraceptive choices would you choose and is that going to serve you and your goal I think that's really important to do because if you're anything like me my experiences they really hone you in at the clinic and tell you that you need to be on the contraceptive pill and blah 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 like you know and so I think knowing these aspects around fertility is also really important because having unplanned pregnancies multiple times is not very beneficial no mentally so no I don't think it's good from a from a physical perspective either but mentally it's a lot of trauma it definitely is and so I just wanted to touch like touch on that to throw that in there um 
I know you've already given heaps of tips, but I'd love to ask you a final question around this topic mm-hmm. is for anyone listening to this who's like, oh, my God, I wish I had heard this five years ago <laughs> or I wish I had found this or that I wish there was things like this when I went through this. You know, what are some things that they can do on a daily basis to nourish themselves after they've been through a termination or an abortion experience? So I'm thinking of the women who have already been through this and also those who are choosing the decision. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I definitely searched on podcasts for like termination and abortion when I was thinking of it and I found nothing, which is one of the biggest reasons why I decided to bring out episodes on it. So if you are listening to this and you're in this situation, presently what suggest like what three to five tips would you give them to support themselves and nourish themselves on a daily basis sure so first thing I would definitely say is get a support network so whether that be your partner now or a friend or someone a coach a therapist a counselor whoever that might be a healer um and really have someone that you can confide in with those those moments um the other big thing that I would say is usually if it's still triggering you or if it's still coming up for you, there's some unhealed emotions there. There's something there that needs to be seen in the light. So um, allowing those feelings to be felt. And it might be quite literally looking back and just being like, it's okay. I did the best that I could with the resources that I had. But right now I'm just going to let myself feel that sadness, you know, or right now I'm going to let myself have this moment. Um, So letting those feelings be felt and letting those moments happen um and probably my third tip would be really about bringing gratitude so bring in that journal practice bringing in what you're grateful for what you're strong with what you what feels aligned for you um and not shaming yourself for that decision that you made and just going I can love myself for who I am and I can love myself for all of this um, And just knowing that that was a part of your story, but it's okay. And you're going to be great and you're going to be amazing and you're going to heal and your journey just might look a little bit different and that's okay. You know, I've worked with women that have been 10 years post and they still get the same results because they let those feelings be seen and heard. We haven't pushed them underneath. A bit like I did with Charlotte, I just pushed it away. And then when I actually sat with them, I let myself feel them. I let myself express gratitude and love for them. And I just moved through that journey. Mm, So beautiful. Oh my God. I could even just expand on that more that I know I was like, I feel like I could, I've got like six notes I could talk about, but (laughs) we could do a second one. (laughs) We we could just keep chat. Like we could, we should definitely do a touch, a touch in and do another one. But I think that it's really important having been through the experience myself, like you, like you have, but for me, I know processing the emotion and the trauma and all of the feelings around the experience of like receiving an unplanned pregnancy, looking at the test and being like, Oh my God, fuck. No, it's wrong. It has to be wrong. Mm -hmm. Then doing another one and then having a meltdown because you're like, what the fuck, you know, that was my experience. Um, Very similar to mine. Yeah, I, but, I did three. <laughs> but like that I was experience. Like, expired. <laughs> they're out of date, you know, but that experience to know that I was no longer with that person and that person was very unhealthy, you know, with me in this relationship mm. that 
you know, it was very isolating, but then also to look at the experience of, you know, going to get scans to confirm that I was pregnant, going to get blood, because like, all the unseen stuff, getting the blood test consistently to make sure that my levels were increasing in the pregnancy, my body was con- continuing with the pregnancy. If we don't heal these elements, when we do decide, if we decide to have children in the future, they can be re-brought up, they can be yeah. brought up again. And trauma comes through from a womb, energetic alignment and space. Trauma comes up in birth. And if you, and for me, knowing that I would love to be a birth mother in the future is that if I don't process these things as they come up, I'm just potentially bringing and welcoming in more trauma. Um, So it's all about processing. (laughs) Yeah. Sitting and actually processing them. And it it is something when you, when you do want to fall pregnant, it's so common to see that shame and that guilt and that pain come back because we haven't potentially made peace with it you know and so then you're trying to heal and be pregnant and and everything else that goes on in life so really processing that no matter where you are on in your journey whether that be beforehand afterwards in a year in six years 10 years 50 years doesn't matter really allowing yourself to heal from that moment because that's where the growth is and that's where your beauty is as well I love that I've really enjoy discussing all of these things and feel so open in my heart space knowing that there's someone out else out there in the world who's one-on-one supporting women like yourself so thank you for stepping up into this space and seeing this as a beautiful opportunity for your own personal experiences um on behalf of everybody thank i'm just saying beautiful. thank you um beautiful. yeah it's interesting how sometimes the most challenging things welcome you into the most amazing experiences mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. thank you for doing that now before we wrap up, um, I know you've got an offer. And for those who are yeah. listening, if you feel like you need support, um, Jocelyn does do one-on-one coaching support for women who are processing everything that we've just discussed here in the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you quote Well Woman Podcast, you'll receive 10% off coaching packages. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Amazing. Now, if people listen to this and they're like, oh, my God, I need to connect with this chick, how can they yeah. find you? What's the best place for them to locate you? The best place to find me is definitely on Instagram. Um, I'm a lover of voice notes, so send me a voice note. If you don't feel confident to do that, type it all out. That's totally fine. Um, That's where I hang out the most, and I'll have a really heart-centred conversation with you there. Um, Otherwise, I've obviously got a website, so jocelyn.coach is on there. Um, I am on Facebook as well, but as I said, my best place is on Instagram and things, and just reach out. Like, even if it's just saying, hey, like, I resonate with so much you said, I'm just not ready right now. And I'm like, that's cool, babe. Let me throw some love on you. Let me just be your biggest cheerleader while you're re- when you're getting ready to process this. So, yeah, mm. always I, reach out. I love that. I love that. We've, like, gone so over time, but I'm so happy for <laughs> I it. know that's okay. <laughs> um, now I do have another, like, final podcast question as we wrap up. Switching gears, I want you to think mm-hmm. back Jocelyn, to your younger menstruating self, like when you got your first period, what are three things you wish you had have known then that you now know today? Oh, okay. I wish that I knew that it could be easily talked about. Um, I wish I knew that it wasn't an inconvenience had a very strong belief system that it was a big inconvenience rather than it's actually this really beautiful beautiful time um and I wish I knew 
that you didn't have to be on contraception to monitor to control your fertility or to keep track of things I never got taught that you could track and it wasn't until about a year ago that I started learning to really strictly um, well not strictly but consciously consciously Mm. track um, my journey I love that Um, such great points it's yeah I wish I knew all those things too yeah (laughs) so thank you so much Um, it's been such such a joy having you on the show and join me in opening up these really sometimes vulnerable taboo and shamed topics. So I'm truly grateful. Um, thank you so much. I've absolutely loved it and would love to have you back on the show at some stage. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And it's an honor and a privilege to help serve you and help serve your community and just help serve everyone. I just love it. And um, thank you for being vulnerable with yourself as well. I know how scary it can be. Thanks so much, Anne. Thank you so much for tuning in to every episode of the Well Women podcast. I trust you enjoyed this episode as much as we did. If you got a lot out of it too, please subscribe and leave a five-star review on iTunes or your podcast app. This means together we can inspire, connect and educate even more women. Now, is there a bestie, a sister or a friend who you know may be frustrated and confused with their health? Are they ready to discover new aspects of themselves too? Well, take a screenshot of this podcast episode Share it on your social media, email it, text it, or any way you need to get it to their ears. So together, we can all live in flow, harmony, and balance with our bodies. And be sure to tag me in it too. Hashtag Well Women Podcast. For everything we mentioned in today's episode, you can find this in the show notes over at wellsome.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, beautiful, get connected, listen to your body, and remember, body confidence all begins with living in tune with your menstrual cycle. 